You may take your Bibles, if you would, please turn to Luke, Luke chapter 2 this morning. Isn't that a pretty song? And uh, I, did, I should have warned you the third and verse, fourth verses go together, but uh, you did really well. And, and uh, you know, sometimes I bring a new song in, and we sing it once, and we put it away and never sing it again. You hear it, and you go, oh, man, that was a dud. But I like that one, and I think that was a bless my heart, amen. And uh, from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt, that'll preach. And Incredible. Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> Luke chapter 2. Look down in verse 8 if you would. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. Our theme for this Christmas season on Sunday mornings is glory touching earth. Glory touching earth. I don't know if that's, that's what it says. Look at that. Glory touching earth. That's the name of our Christmas cantata. And next Saturday night at 6 o'clock, next Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., I would encourage you to come to glory touching earth. And uh, let me encourage you to do this. And I, I say this every year, and many just don't care what I say. Can you believe that? Let me encourage you if I could, and I, I'm not one to get up and demand, I don't want to do that, but I, let me encourage you, would you come Saturday night and Sunday? Would you come one to serve and one to enjoy? That's what I always try to say. There's something you can do. If, if you say, well, I've, I'm never, I've never been in the nursery, why don't you take the nursery one night so our nursery workers can come in and enjoy the cantata, Right? Uh, you can help with the visitors. You can be an usher. You can be somebody. Brother Paul's going to work this week on getting ushers together and people that'll help our visitors find seats and we'll get uh, visitors uh, cards all ready and all those things. So we have lots of work that can be done. And so would you come? You say, well, you know, here's, here's the thing. Some of us, we come to church all the time. This is an opportunity for you to serve and to give back to the Lord and what he's done for you. And so it's, it might be small, it might be big, but listen, there's, there's, here's what I learned a long time ago. There's no spare parts. God can use everybody and wants to use everybody. And so would you give one of those services to serve and one to enjoy? If you know you're in, in a, a, something on Sunday morning, nursery or something, maybe you'll want to be in here Saturday night to listen and to enjoy. But why don't you come so others can enjoy? Right? You take the burden off them by helping with their children, helping them find a seat. We, we need people just to say, some, peop, some people don't even know where to hang their coats if they come, right? You could take their coats and go hang them off. There's something you can do. And you don't have to wait for a phone call. You say, well, Brother Paul never called me. That's okay. You can still help with coats. You can still just jump in and, and be a part of that. And because all of it is to help people find Christ. And so we want to do our very best. Do I get another problem? Oh, thank you. Wait, look at that. Dr. Austin, thank you. <laughs> if you knew how much he hates walking out here. <laughs> but it humbles me that he would do that. That's a servant's heart. He hates being out here. Thank you. Most guys would let me dry up so I wouldn't have to preach. <laughs> Luke chapter 2. So let me encourage you to do that next week. There is no Sunday school, Sunday morning. We want, uh, you say, why do you cancel Sunday school? Because we want you to invite guests and have that time to be able to meet them in the hallway, drive in with them perhaps. Let me encourage you to do this. If you've invited a guest next Sunday, say, hey, tell you what, I'll pick you up and I'll take you up for breakfast. 
Church doesn't start till 10.30. You've got lots of time. Choir has to be here at 10, I believe. 10 o'clock, Brother Judge? 10 o'clock. You've got lots of time. Take them out to breakfast and make a nice morning of it. Make it real. Uh, sometimes that's the best Christmas gift. Somebody just have your time. They want your time, all right? So next, next Sunday morning, let's really pray as well. And let's hand out visitate, or flyers this week and visit people and make sure we're inviting people to come. Uh, a lot of people sharing on social media. That's wonderful. But let's invite people personally to come next Saturday or Sunday. And uh, I'm sure God will bless it if you do that, all right? Luke chapter 2, look at verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto the sheep, and the angel said unto them, verse 10, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill. Toward men. The title of our message this morning is part of our theme, Glory Touching Earth, is Glory to God in the Highest. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning. I pray that you'd strengthen our hearts and our minds through the preaching of your word. God, I pray that you would just pour yourself into our very lives today. Lord, as we look back at this time of Christ's coming, the incarnation, the, the word made flesh. Lord, help us, Lord, just to take a fresh glimpse. I'm so thankful that there are some things that we celebrate each and every year, Christmas and resurrection. Lord, for it causes us to re-examine these, these few passages over and over again. And each time, afresh and anew, we can learn something. And I pray that would be the case today. But it'll only happen if your Holy Spirit speaks to us and helps us and fills us today. So I surrender to you and ask for your filling. We'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to pray also uh, before I start for Brother Roberts. He's preaching at Steel City Baptist Church this morning in Hamilton. Brother Eagles is helping a missionary, Brother Dinsmore, drive to Belize. And so I believe they arrived there yesterday, so they got church today likely, and then he'll be flying home from there. Uh, they, he flew down to Texas and met him there and drove all the way through Mexico and parts of Central America to get their moving truck down to Belize. And so be in prayer for Brother Eagles as well as he travels home and uh, give him a productive time on his missions trip. And uh, let's pray for Brother Roberts as he's preaching at this hour at Steel City Baptist Church. Luke chapter 2. You know, there are some passages of Scripture that we will read very quickly. How many of you do that? I do. I'll be honest, you get into those genealogies. Sometimes we miss some important things because we read too quickly. Sometimes we read quickly because we're trying to keep to that schedule, right? I got to get through my Bible reading today. I, I need to get so much done by the, by the end of the year and you're trying to finish out a certain goal. This is not one of those passages. When we come to the Christmas story, it, it behooves us really to slow down 
and read it word for word. Not to skim over any part. I think sometimes we might skim over some parts simply because we've read it so many times or it's so familiar to us that we really think we already have everything that's there. And that might be true, but how many of you know that God's mercies are new every morning? And every time you open the word of God, he might just show you something. I've shared with you before a preacher friend who got up and preached the passage of scripture. I even had his three points underlined in my text and I thought, why did I never see that? I'd underlined the three things and still did not put it together in my heart like he did on that day. And so God can show us new things even though we thought we saw them before. And I hope and pray that through this series, Glory Touching Earth, that it would be no difference. But I want you to notice as we examine this passage of scripture, the Bible says in verse eight, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. I, I, I like to identify with the shepherds. And some of you are saying, no doubt, because you can't identify with the wise men. I get that. But the shepherds were lowly people, right? They were blue-collar people. They were working men. And for many of us, that's kind of what we are. We grew up in a farming community, and we grew up in a place that we had to roll up our sleeves and work, and, and we appreciate the shepherds and their work, but that's where God's glory came first. He came to a lowly people that just simply were serving, and I, I don't know what their spiritual condition was. No doubt they were Jews. Some of these lambs would be taken off to slaughter and they would be sacrificed unto God. Some perhaps were used for meals, but they, they, could, not, they could not raise pigs. They were unclean animals. They didn't raise cattle in those days like we do here today or in that culture, but they raised sheep. And so they were shepherds. They were men that were working through the night. And I'm glad it was at night that he came for the star shines brightest at night. The angels sing loudest, it seems, when the earth is quiet before us. The Bible says his glory came down and these angels began to speak. And it says, for not, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be all to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying. I like that word suddenly. It's almost like God the Father was holding them all back and said, okay, Go just took his hand off them for a moment and they burst onto the scene and they began to cry, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I want you to notice that only Jesus Christ ever bridged that gap. Only Jesus Christ could both bring glory to God in the highest and also peace to this wicked earth. There is no other hope. It took the Prince of Peace. It took the Son of God. It took the man that they would call Jesus, for he shall take away our sins. He shall be our Savior. That's who it takes to bring peace. As long as a Christless world denies him today, they'll never know peace. But one day the Prince of Peace will come. And in once again, in power and glory, we will cry out glory to God. 
in the highest. I want you to notice some things about this glory this morning. If we could just take a few moments. I want you to notice, first of all, it was a glory that was preeminent. A glory that was preeminent. What do I mean by that? Preeminent means the one and only. It means to transcend all. It means the greatest of them all. When I was a, a young boy, I remember a boxer by the name of Muhammad Ali. How many of you remember him? He just died a few years ago. He had Parkinson's disease and it took his life. And I remember, I, I remember the funniest out of character thing I ever remember about my grandmother, my mom's mom, was something came out on the news one day about Muhammad Ali and I was having lunch with her at her house and she started singing, uh, floats like a butterfly, stings like a bee. That's me, Muhammad Ali. And she was doing this like as he was a boxer, you know. And I, I, so out of character for my grandma, but she did that. I remember that today. But Muhammad Ali used to thump his chest that he was the greatest. We see it in the sports ring today, don't we? I mean, I'm, I, I like baseball, and I'm watching. They, they want to pay that one baseball player. They're saying he will make $600 million in his next contract over 10 years, $60 million a year to hit a baseball. That's crazy what we call heroes today. And we give them all kinds of glory. We really do. I was watching a little bit Football last night, I had it on. I didn't have the volume on. I was trying to read a little bit, but every once in a while I like to glance up. My wife was taking a course, and so I had it just sitting on my iPad, a little bit of football, and I was college football, right? Every time those guys make a play, they're looking at the crowd, and they're doing this. What are they saying? We want glory. There is one alone who is worthy of your praise. The one to whom the angel said, glory to God in the highest. Now, I don't, I don't care what you think about sports. God doesn't receive glory from any of that. A touchdown, a home run, he doesn't care. But his son coming to earth caused him to receive the highest glory. It is a preeminent glory. And why is it a preeminent glory? Because it speaks of a preeminent Christ. The Bible says in verse 11 of our chapter this morning, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior. And who is he? Christ the Lord. There are a lot of small g gods in this world, but none of them bring God glory. There are graves littered throughout the world of prophets and priests and those who would speak of their God, but not one brings him glory. Over the years, I've been over to uh, Walsingham a couple times for funerals. And, and as I was at the Walsingham Cemetery, there is a stone erected there. And he is the prophet or the priest of some weird order of Melchizedek. And it's some strange religion. I said, I've never heard of that in my life. So I took a picture of that stone. And I went home and I began to look it up. And I could find no evidence of it. And I thought, how many men have lived and died and had a small handful of followers and spoke of their God and yet today they went off to a Christless eternity. Listen, we serve, it was a preeminent glory. It was glory to God in the highest because of a preeminent 
Christ. We see so many giving glory to others, but I want you to notice that this glory was the highest glory. I want you to notice that word highest. Glory to God in the highest. That word highest in the Greek only appears eight times in the Bible. And it's not not to say that the English word high or highest or most high or what have you doesn't appear in other places, but I'm talking about this specific Greek word, highest. And I want you to notice something that I notice as I begin to read through all of those. In Luke chapter one, if you were to turn back a page, you would find in verse 32, the angel speaking to Mary, and he he said this to her, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. In verse 35, the Holy Ghost, uh, the angel also said the Holy Ghost would come over her and the power of the highest shall overshadow her. In Luke chapter 1, Zacharias had, uh, as you know, had, had, uh, had a son named John and his tongue had been tied up because of his unbelief. But when that child was born and he wrote on a a tablet that his name shall be called John, Zacharias' tongue was miraculously loosed and he said this, and thou child, speaking of John the Baptist, shall be called the prophet of the highest. In Luke chapter six and verse 35, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, but love ye your enemies and do good and lend hoping uh, and, and lend hoping for nothing again and your reward shall be great and ye shall be the children of the highest. Isn't that a wonderful promise? I mean, it's one thing that John the Baptist is the prophet of the highest and that the highest God would overshadow Mary and conceive in her uh, womb a child. And we speak of the, the highest, the Jesus Christ being the son of the highest. But friends, you get to be the child of the most high God. What a wonderful promise. In Acts chapter 16 and verse seven, even a demon-possessed damsel said, these men are servants of the most high God. God. In Hebrews chapter 7, the author refers to Melchizedek, the king of Salem, as the priest of the Most High God. You see, what is your point? My point is this every time this word highest is used in the scripture, it's referring to the preeminent and the prominence and the lofty position of God Almighty. When Christ brought glory to God in the highest, He tread where only he could tread. Nobody else could tread there. You say, what about Melchizedek? No, no, he was the priest of the Most High God. What about John the Baptist? No, no, he was the prophet of the Most High God. What about this godly Christian I know? Oh, no, no, they are the children of the Most High God. But Jesus brought glory to the Most High God. Glory to God in the highest. It was a preeminent Christ. But I want you to notice there's also a preeminent cause. In Luke chapter two and verse 11, the same verse, for unto you is born this day, the city of David, a what? Savior. Why did Jesus come? To seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. If the Lord Jesus Christ came alone with no earthly mission whatsoever, But just simply to walk on this earth and to reveal God's glory, that would be enough for glory of God in the highest. But not only is he a preeminent Christ, he had a preeminent cause. 
his high and lofty goal while he was here on earth, the thing that transcended all other things is for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Friend, that's good news for you. The Bible says this, that the angel said, his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In 1 Peter, the Bible says he is not willing that any should perish. Know this, friends, when God received glory in the highest, it's because his son came to save this world from their sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, and by the way, that's you, would believe in him or believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. It was a glory that was preeminent. But I want you to see this. I like this. It was a glory that was provoking. A glory that was provoking. Notice what it did in verse, in verse uh, 8. We, we read those first few verses, and I, I won't read them again, but those shepherds were in the field, and lo, the angel of the Lord. And remember what I said to you in verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly it was almost like God was holding those angels back. I sometimes wonder if this angel had more to say. I wonder if he did say more, but it could not be heard for all the shouts of glory and hallelujah. The angel just simply gave a short message, didn't he? Unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly they burst on the scene. I want you to notice that this glory provoked the heavenly host. It provoked the heavenly host. Do you know in the scriptures... In the scriptures, I, I, I can't speak to everything the angels do. I don't know. I wish I did. Wouldn't that be neat to have a glimpse into heaven? But in the scriptures, there's not a lot said about what gets the angels excited. The Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of angels when somebody gets saved. Isn't that wonderful? The Bible said and tells us in Isaiah that there's some that will, cherubs that will fly and seraphim that will fly around the throne night and day. Holy. Holy, holy Lord God Almighty. The Bible says the Lord shall return with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the angels will sing. What great glory we see. The Bible says when the Lord Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem. And I want you to notice I, I held this back. This is the only other time we see the word highest in that Greek word. They said, Hosanna in the highest. Always about Christ, always about God. But I want you to notice how this glory lying in a manger provoked the heavenly host. Boy, isn't it exciting when a baby's born? It really is. I, I remember, I remember when all of our kids were born. I, I remember Brendan, it was a little bit scary. Took her to the hospital on a Wednesday night, and the doctor says, You're everything's gonna be fine. It was five weeks early. He says, I, this just happens sometimes late in pregnancy. Go home, get a good night's sleep, pick her up in the morning. She called screaming about 5.30 in the morning, you better get over here. And it was a little bit nerve-wracking. We were in the operating room. We thought there was going to be an emergency C-section. We thought all these things. And all of a sudden, an, an intern doctor, she looks, she says, the baby is here. Push, boom, gone, done. I remember racing at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning through the streets of Hamilton with Emily Ida was in the passenger seat and we're driving and all of a sudden I start slowing down and pulling over. My wife says, what are you doing? 
I said, there's a fire truck coming. I got to get out of the way. And she says, I got an emergency too. I'm going to tell you, a woman in labor can scream louder than a fire truck. I'm going to tell you that. She had about eight or nine hours labor with two children combined. And then Austin. 26 hours. 26 hours. I remember Sunday morning coming home. I had gone to pick up somebody for church, and I came back to get her. She wasn't quite ready yet. I came back to get her, and she's humped over on the front steps. I said, what's wrong? She said, well, I'm having some labor pains. But it was still four weeks early. I said, all right, well. I said, what do you want to do? She says, let's go to church. So we went to church. I had Frank Earl run up. I was given the invitation. He come run up. He stood right there, and he says, preacher, you better hurry it up. She's screaming downstairs. <laughs> we went to the hospital, and we stayed overnight. And I mean, finally, the next day, he came. I remember Bethany. You say, how do you remember Bethany? Because it was about the last time the Leafs were in the playoffs. <laughs> And we were told to walk the halls and there was a TV with the game. And I kept doing this. I got in trouble. But I remember about 8 o'clock at night, Bethany coming. I remember everyone and holding. I was the first one to hold all four. I remember that. I remember a call at 3 in the morning from our daughter when our first grandson was born. Isn't that precious? The songwriter says, how sweet to hold a brand new baby and feel the joy but there was no greater baby ever born. I mean, I'll tell you this, Bethany was born during SARS. SARS was, for some of you young people, that was COVID 20 years ago. About three people put on masks, that's all that happened. But nobody was allowed in the hospital. And so, it was my wife and I, and nobody even got to see the baby until we came home from the hospital. That was about all that happened. But when Jesus was born, the heavenly host rejoiced. All of heaven was lit aflame. Can you imagine that choir? Now the Bible says they say. Do you know singing is a part of saying? And I I don't know if they sang or not. I like to think they sang. Because a joyful people sing, right? uh, There's another song that says, let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. There's a joy in singing. David wrote a songbook. And I believe the angels sang that night, and I, I can't prove it from Scripture, but they, they proclaim glory to God in the highest and provoke them. There's a principle in all this I want to give you in a moment, but I want you to notice not only did it provoke the heavenly host, it provoked the human heart. Look at this. We haven't read this yet. Look at verse 15. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Let me just stop for a moment and meddle a little bit. There was somebody who said, glory to God in the highest, and there was another group of people who said, I gotta see it. I gotta find it. Let us turn aside and see this great sight which the angels have made known unto us. Could it be that in this next week, all you have to do is say, come and hear us sing about the risen Christ. Come and learn about his birth. Let me tell you about Jesus. Might there be one that would say, let us go and see. Let us go find the Christ. 
Maybe you'll run into somebody this week that's hungering and thirsting for somebody to love them, somebody to tell them about Jesus. And I, I like this verse that it just says all these angels were singing and the shepherds turned to one another and said, we better check this out. We better go and see this great thing. And the Bible says in verse 16, when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. Hey, they didn't care if anybody thought they were crazy because a lot of people probably did. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they heard and seen as it was told unto them. This glory to God in the highest provoked the human heart. Notice three things quickly. It provoked them to go. It provoked them to turn aside and see. It provoked them to their curiosity. I wonder sometimes, the Bible says this, we are to go into the highways and hedges and compel them. Is our message compelling? Do they want what you have? Can they see Christ in us? It compelled them enough. I don't know at that moment did they believe, but boy, they wanted to turn along aside. And the Bible says it provoked them to go, but in verse 17, it provoked them to tell. They returned telling anybody who would listen, and the Bible says the world wondered at what the angels had told them. But then we see in verse 18, it also provoked others. They that heard it wondered at all those things. Look at verse 20, the shepherd returned glorifying and praising God. Hey, their worship service didn't stop when the angels went away. They just kept praising God. Can you imagine? I don't know. Maybe one of the sweetest worship services you'll ever see would be on a hillside in Judea the night Christ was born. And I'm not talking about the angel choirs. The choir is great. It starts the service, right? But some of the sweetest worship might have been those shepherds gathered together Somebody says, hey, anybody got a copy of the Psalms? Let's sing some of those songs of David about the Messiah. Let's sing about the Christ that would come. Let's sing about salvation. Let's sing about his glory. Their hearts were provoked to worship. Let me ask you, does this glory still provoke you? There was a time, wasn't there, where everything in church brought a tear to your eye. Every mention of his precious name stirred up the embers of your soul once again. The choir would sing, a solo would come up, whatever it was, and it didn't matter if they were in tune or not, the message of God broke through and spoke to your heart. Does he still provoke you like that today? Would to God that he would light a fire within us. A glory that was provoking, but I want you to notice this. It was a glory that was personalized. I've already mentioned this somewhat. The shepherds in verse 20 returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told unto them. The shepherds went and they told all that would listen. I'm, I'm sure some listened. I'm sure some didn't. Just because the Bible says they wondered, some might have wondered, are these guys crazy? They might have wondered, did this really come to pass? They, they might have wondered, did, did they just have some weird vision? Maybe it was satanic. Maybe it was not of God at all. As, as Pharisees and Sadducees weighed all the evidence like they always like to do. 
but it didn't matter. They continued to glorify and praise the Lord. Notice what it says. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. I'm convinced that the shepherds believed. You say, why is that? Because you don't give God glory for something fake or phony. It was real to them. They had seen this thing. The Bible says, I believe they believed before they ever went because it says, notice what it says um, in verse 15, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see what? Notice what it says. This thing which is come to pass. They believed it already happened. They weren't just checking out something. Let's go and verify this. Maybe we had too much salami last night. Too much pepperoni on our pizza and we're having visions and dreams and maybe we ought to just go and verify. No, no, they said, let's go see this thing which has come to pass. We believe it. And they returned glorifying God. I believe that their worship was so sweet and they made it personal because they had a genuine faith. They believed in the Lord Jesus Christ that Jesus had come for them. And they took the time to thank and praise God for a Savior that loved them and would take away their sins. And let me tell you this, friend, he came for you as well. There's a Savior that is waiting for you today. Do you know him? Just like the shepherds, all you have to do is believe. You just need to put your faith in Jesus Christ today. Some of you are saying, well, if I, if I see it, I'll believe it. No, they believed it before they saw it. They trusted in Christ. They said, we believe in this thing that has already come to pass, and we're going to turn aside, and we're going to see it, and it provoked their hearts so much that they returned, glorifying, praising God for all that they had heard and seen. And, and friend, you can have that same thing happen in your life today if you simply trust in Jesus. There's a Savior that loves you and is earnestly calling you today to trust in him. Listen, the whole message of Christmas is found in John 3.16, isn't it? God loved, so he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know him today? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes across this room. There's some things we have to understand in order to be saved. It's not some big theological catechism you don't have to have the Bible memorized. But there are some things we have to understand. Number one, that all have sinned. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. If we cannot acknowledge that we're sinners before a holy God, then how can he save us from our sins? We have to recognize there's a penalty for that sin, for the wages of sin is death. I believe that also brought out in that phrase, he shall save his people. Because if we just lived and we could sin and we would die and there was nothing more, there's nothing to save us from. But there's a penalty to our sins. The wages of sin is death, but 
the gift of God is eternal life. Now listen, don't miss this. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You must come through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father but by me. Those are Jesus' words. And then we need to understand that we are saved by a gift of God, grace it's called, through faith. For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God will save you by his grace. He'll give you this free gift. Remember the Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. He will give you this gift today if you trust him by your faith. I believe the shepherds believed because they believed what the angels said about Christ. They believed it had come to pass and it provoked them to worship him and glorify him, probably in a worship service that's not been replicated since. Oh, friend, would you let him bring you to that place today? Would you let him change your life by simply calling upon the name of the Lord? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's stand to our feet this morning. The instruments can begin to play. If God has spoke to your heart, would you let us help you today? Maybe you want to just come and give God glory today. But maybe there's one here say, Pastor, I'm not saved. I'm, I'm going to encourage folks to keep their eyes closed and and nobody's looking around so that you can do business with God. And maybe you would like to say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you slip up your hand and let us pray for you today? Say, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I have a heavenly home prepared for me. And I see that Christ came simply to save me from my sins. And it wasn't just because he was born. It's because he also died. Because the wages of sin is death, Jesus came and he paid that price on the cross of Calvary. That's who we believe in. Not just a Christ who came, but a Christ who lived, a Christ who died, a Christ who was buried, but a Christ who was born again and coming again. Is the one say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you pray for me? If I've not acknowledged you or thanked you for raising your hand, I have not seen it yet. So would you slip up your hand right now? Would you pray for me, Pastor? I'm not sure. Let me ask you to do this. Would you take a minute or two? We're a little early or at least on time. Would you pray for those folks you've invited next week right now? Would you pray about somebody you might go and invite this week? Would you pray that God would give you boldness to hand out a gospel track or an invitation this week? Would you pray for the cantata? Would you just take a couple minutes and do that right now?